What's up, what's up, what's up, Snap Survivors? I am Tasha Pierce. This is After the Snap, a virtual refugee camp for everyone affected by Thanos Snap. Thank goodness it's Friday. That's right. It's Friday. So you know what that means here on After the Snap. We continue our MCU watch party leading up to Avengers Endgame. We're doing it in Marvel timeline order. And today's installment is Captain America Civil War. So thanks for joining me again for another episode. And if this is your first time, welcome to the show. Welcome to the party. Great to have you. This is a big one. This is a big movie. But not just because of the movie itself, but what it does at furthering the plot lines as far as the where we end up for Infinity War. This movie is very important. So this movie, uh, Captain America Civil War, came out May 6th, 2016. That was here in the States. It is two hours, 28 minutes long. Which is, uh, you know, it feels like kind of a long movie. And then you start thinking about how long we are supposed to be in our seats for for Avengers Endgame. And it doesn't seem that long anymore. But two hours and 28, move, tw- two hours and 28 minutes is a pretty substantial run for a movie. The directors were the infamous Russo brothers. Making this uh, the second Captain America movie that they have directed. Uh, the first being the Winter Soldier, and then they came back for Civil War. And then we know that we got them two more times uh, for Infinity War and for Avengers Endgame. So they, these big team-ups are their forte. They started off in uh, Captain America Civil, Captain America the Winter Soldier. And there, there were quite a few characters. It was nothing, nothing like what we see here. But each time they had a movie come out, there was just like we, they, there were more characters and more plot lines thrown at them. And they do a remarkable job at keeping everything pretty straight in these in these plot lines, giving each character just the right amount of shine. When we're talking about the supporting characters, not the main characters, such as your Captain America and your uh, Iron Man in this movie, we basically have learned that the, the strength of the Russo brothers is in the dialogue they tell uh, a lot of story and a small amount of dialogue but we definitely see some very awesome action sequences and we could talk about it forever this is not going to be one of those movies that i break down from beginning to end because the most important parts can be summed up in just moments Uh, for instance when we know what we're, we're the climax of the movie is basically the the fight scene at the airport that is the action climax even though we did get far more we get a lot a lot more action uh, on the back end when bucky steve and tony have their fight but it's just uh that's a more intimate kind of setting a more intimate fight this big brawl they had at the airport was just like everything but the kitchen sink they were throwing at us and i thought it was remarkable just a remarkable feat of choreography that made these fights really really look good and realistic 
uh, we had some fun with it. If as much fun as a fight between some Avengers could be, we had some fun with it. And uh, we saw potentially some consequences. And we know that uh, that's one of the things that a lot of people uh, who, who want to be critics of movies. So one of the things that people are critical of Marvel movies about is that all these big ass things happen and there's never any consequences or there are hardly any consequences and it was addressed in the last Avengers movie it was addressed in Age of Ultron because what we saw is uh, Quicksilver died oh he's died and he never he didn't come back that was a consequence but that wasn't a consequence of one of the major characters in the movies then we saw going forward in time uh, Infinity War where half of half of the characters got snapped out of existence and again we have to ask ourselves is that truly a consequence if we know that, that somehow they're coming back so that is the biggest area of uh of the critics what they have to complain about as far as Marvel movies go and this tried to kind of kind of address it because there are consequences now after the events in Lagos Nigeria after the events of Ultron in Sokovia the Avengers are expected to sign the Sokovia Accords you know what I just got super ahead of myself let's let's back up let's back up it was directed by <laughs> the infamous Russo brothers the budget was $250 million. The box office gave back $1.153 billion. This is the highest grossing movie of 2016. The 12th highest grossing movie ever. It's opening weekend on that Friday, opening day, $75.5 million. Mind you, remember the last episode, I'm saying that I, I would feel good if Captain Marvel had an uh, a $90 million opening weekend. This was 75.5 opening day. <laughs> Followed by 61.2 that Saturday, 42.4 that Sunday for a total of $179.1 million for its opening weekend. So $408 million in the United States and Canada for the entire run of the movie. And everywhere else gave us $745.2 million for that $1 billion total. That is a remarkable feat off of that $250 million because we remember Age of Ultron, we were talking $300 million of dollars for that movie. And um, I liked Age of Ultron, but I definitely feel like I got more out of Captain America Civil War. It had more feels to it. it and I know it's supposed to be an entirely different type of movie. This was supposed to be a Captain America movie, even though it is technically an Avengers movie, but definitely is. Uh, it is finally rounding out the arc of the character of Steve Rogers. I think as far as the two movies are concerned, Captain America Civil War is definitely my favorite Avengers movie. <laughs> Because it is technically, it is a Captain America movie, but it is also an Avengers movie. Uh, Age of Ultron, Captain America Civil War. Give me Captain America Civil War every single time. And you know, I was uh, in the last episode, the Captain Marvel episode, I was talking about how I had read the Prelude comic for Captain Marvel and how 
they they had um, added scenes for several movies, and this was one of the movies that the the Prelude comic kind of giving gave you a little bit more of what happened uh, behind the scenes, stuff that we did not see in the movie, but could very well potentially be very important to the plot of going forward the, the plot of Avengers Endgame and Captain Marvel specifically because we we, we talked about how uh, Nick Fury told Maria Hill that you know basically he let her know that there was another hero card that he had but if they do everything they're supposed to do they won't have to call her that was one thing and and he said her so that lets us know that he's talking about uh Captain Marvel and he, this was in the prelude comic when uh, they were discussing how kind of disappointed he was that the Avengers allowed the Sokovia Accords to 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 divide them in such a way to break up the band in such a way. And, you know, he said, well, if we do everything we're supposed to do, we won't have to call her. There was also another quote that uh, that Nick Fury said in that movie that kind of threw me because he it goes back to again how I always say Nick Fury knows shit he knows shit <laughs> and so he says uh I like to keep my options open it's only a matter of time before some bigger intergalactic problem needs to be solved doing this case-by-case -case cleanup isn't what this team was meant for here we have him in the prelude comic mentioning an intergalactic problem a big one by him saying that that kind of makes me feel like he knew about Thanos well ahead of time and again we've been saying this but these official prelude comics tying into the movies the way they do is kind of confirming what we believe you know that he has some information that we are not privy to the audience and that uh, even Maria Hill is not privy to and so that's just another example of how Nick Fury knows shit. But anyway, what we also find out in the Prelude comic is that Nick Fury and Maria Hill did attempt to put the team back together after the events of Civil War. So after the fight, after uh, Tony and his crew went one way and, and Cap and his crew went the other way, Nick Fury and Maria Hill did attempt to put those guys back together and it just did not occur uh the arrogance of T of tony stark and the stubbornness of cap would not allow them to do it you know we also found out that fury and hill assisted in the prison break from the raft nick fury maria hill assisted cap in breaking everybody out of the uh of the prison the raft that was supposed to be this pretty much impenetrable prison where you're not breaking out definitely not breaking out in fact they've been holding a abomination there for years and he hasn't even escaped so if he's still there you know the the thought the prevailing thought was that this prison was good enough to hold the avengers or the lesser avengers not your Captain America, uh, this tactician, the brilliant tactician and leader. But but him being on the outside, that's pretty much like saying, you know, he and Bucky together, I think, would be able to uh, break anybody out of prison. 
and so they did <laughs> along with Nick Fury and uh, Maria Hill so outside of the the brilliant the, the brilliant concept of who's right and who's wrong in this civil war situation outside of that concept and outside of the fight scenes that were just remarkably staged choreographed and I just felt some kind of way especially that last scene um when when Bucky Cap and Tony were fighting and oh my goodness it was just it makes you feel some type of way because who do you root for who do you want to win that fight you know there what does winning that fight mean so like when you're sitting in the movies and you're watching it for the first time and you see captain america and iron man fighting what does winning that fight look like because you don't want to see either one of them hurt you don't want to see either one of them that angry at each other it was like captain america got the better of himself he could have decapitated tony with that with that shield he could have and tony saw fear for you saw fear in his face for a minute it was it was anger but it was also fear because he didn't know whether his friend was going to end him or not and that to me it was jarring it was a jarring image kind of you don't want to see the vulnerability in these two strong men and uh tony was very vulnerable as was cap Cap was vulnerable too because look what he was. He was between a rock and a hard spot. Do I defend Bucky to the end? But Bucky is his oldest friend. They've been through this thing together for damn it, a hundred years. <laughs> so do you defend Tony against Bucky? Or do you defend Bucky against Tony? And everybody, and you know, both of these are his guy. Both of these are his friends. In fact, his uh, his first life, Bucky was his friend and his protector and his partner. And in his second life, you had uh, Stark. So I just, I don't know. He was just between that rock and that hard spot. The vulnerable position that these two were in, you could see the vulnerability in their faces. And it made you feel, I don't know about you, but it made me a certain kind of way but then you still got to choose a side you just don't you don't get to just sit here and watch this movie and say you know I don't want to pick so were you team cap or were you team iron man yeah I myself I was a uh, team cap in all of this and I'm looking at things from his point of view so ever since he woke up the government has been lying to him they lie to make his transition better. They put the damn game on from the era of his first life. And, you know, they decorate the room in such a way that looks like no time has passed. That's a lie. They lied to him from they lied to him to make his transition easier. They lie by omission. They lie. They lie. They lie. So, oh, yeah, we didn't tell you that there were two missions because, you know, we just left that out. You only needed to know about the first one. We, we didn't tell the, the people about these helicarriers that are basically sitting here as death traps for them. No, we, you know, we told them we were building uh, stuff that would protect them. But this is this is technically what will take out the entire human race if they wanted to. Captain America is learning to distrust the government. 
and in the movies like like i say the in the, the avengers in captain america the winter soldier he saw parts shadiness and seediness in the government that makes him say i don't i don't want to fuck with them like that i can't trust them now this same government wants to have oversight on his movements on things that he does the ways that he contributes to society because okay there are there is no war anymore so he doesn't have to fight america's war so he can use his better judgment he can use his better judgment to figure out where he would be needed and where he would be most impactful in the world to uh, use his gifts the government now wants to say no we'll tell you where to use your gifts and like he said what if there was some place the avengers wanted to go but the government won't send them and even worse yet what if the government sent the avengers into a fight that they did not want to fight so now you're in a situation where you are uh you are expected to follow orders and once cap kind of realized that the people given the orders are not infallible the people given the orders can be corrupted once he realizes this he trusts himself more than he trusts this government and if you show me this if this is the body of work that you show me as the government or anyone else for that matter if you show me that you are uh, capable of manipulating lying uh, telling false or half truths just all of these horrible horrible traits in an individual and you you mean you're giving me this over a, a government entity i don't trust you i'd rather go on my secret wars and my secret missions i'd rather be the secret avengers than to be beholden to a government that i can't trust so i understood him i also i understood iron man as well you know but i can understand it because uh he has he has a lot of personal guilt he created that robot ultron that, that did that over in sokovia he's got that blood on his hands that is directly on his hands so and then you know captain i mean i'm sorry banner is not there to uh to shoulder some of the blame with him tony is taking the blame for that himself you built this robot that did this foolishness and you a lot of people died and you have to live with that and his uh his conscience is telling him that probably the best thing for him and the rest of the avengers is for somebody to babysit and that might be true for him because the decisions that he made outside of uh, a threat there was no threat right present imminent right then when he made ultron uh so no threat this is what you did and look how it backfired i can understand him feeling like somebody needs a babysitter but the somebody is probably him in the meantime you have uh, captain america who says anybody who uh passed away or, or got killed during the uh the battles that, that i was fighting they they passed away it was very bad collateral damage but if i wasn't there to fight off whatever this threat was imagine how many more would have died because what i didn't like was them showing uh that uh was the secretary of state ross that is ross anyway whatever he is shit. 
when he showed this little video uh, montage of the Battle of New York, okay, let's pull the, the Avengers out of that situation then. There, there's no Avengers. What the hell happens during the Battle of New York? New York is taken. Thanos gets the rest of his army into through that wormhole and they decimate uh, Earth a whole hell of a lot sooner than the snap. That's what would have happened. But because some damage and maybe a few casualties and some damage happened when the Avengers fought this attack off, now you're saying that they're reckless vigilantes? I would you you stood no chance without the vigilante. Your little weapons weren't working. So now what? I feel like uh yeah, somebody might need a babysitter. There are some factions of the Avengers that need somebody to be their conscience but I think it is really only Tony because he has the intellect and the intellect the unchained intellect that of Tony Stark can create some of anything so yeah he's the only person I think who needed oversight but he was reflecting that to the the whole group as a whole when the group of the as a whole in Avengers, especially uh, Age of Ultron, were only reacting to something that he set into motion. So that's me. Uh, hopefully, maybe you guys let me know if you feel something different about uh, whether you're Team Cap or Team Iron Man. I'd love to hear it. Um, but yeah, this movie really it just really set us up. It gave us uh, a great feel for where the animosity is and how deep it runs and i mean that prelude comic kind of helped it along too because there was anim animosity even though we saw uh cap kind of extend the olive branch when he sent the telephone to tony stank <laughs> oh which by the way was our stanley cameo he was the fedex driver who delivered the phone to tony stank <laughs> so uh yeah so he has this phone and that's the olive grip olive branch but the thing is this phone it works both ways captain america knows how to call tony on that phone and tony knows how to call captain america on that phone so, so what what captain america is like if you ever need me i'm gonna be here which means i need you tony to swallow your pride and call me i'm not gonna swallow my pride and call you and that therein lies the problem arrogance and stubbornness and that's how we ended up where we were at the beginning of infinity war one of my favorite of the mcu movies is not it's not my absolute favorite but it is definitely one of my favorite mcu entries this movie did i even go over the metacritic and all of this stuff i did not because i got so far ahead of myself it got a 75% on uh, Metacritic. The audience score for on Rotten Tomatoes was 89%. And Rotten Tomatoes itself gave it a 91%, which is what? Certified fresh. That's correct. And I myself, on my 1-5 scale, gave this one a 4.5. Because I loved Civil War. I also love the fact that they introduced two new characters we were initially only going to get one it was going to be spider-man and then they weren't uh marvel wasn't sure if tony was going to give them 
to us for the movie or to, to Marvel. So they wasn't going to give them to the, the, the rights to use them for this movie. So they dusted off Black Panther and used him. And then all of a sudden, Sony was like, you know what? We could use some of that money. So they said, well, yeah, yeah, y'all can use Spider-Man. So now we get Spider-Man. And it was like, okay, we, which one are we going to use? And the Russo said, why fuck? Why did not? We might as well fucking use both of them. <laughs> and so we got both of them because by that time they had written the story and, and Black Panther was uh, interwoven into the story so much that they was like, we would have to rewrite too much. You know, we should just give Spider-Man a lesser role in the movie. And it was, it, it worked for me. It worked for me. We saw T'Challa uh, have a lot of vengeance in his heart. And he did learn something from uh, from watching his counterparts pretty much try to destroy he, each other. He took a lesson from all of that so that was uh feel like his dad teaching him a lesson from the great beyond and i know this is just stupid there were a lot of funny parts in the movie of course in the battle uh, of the airport hilarious moments but one of them just stood out to me i just had to stop the movie even this time when i watched it and laugh because clint barton joins the fray so he's at the battle at this airport and he is engaged in like some hand-to-hand combat with T'Challa in the Black Panther suit. And it's like right in the middle of everything. Clint says, oh, we haven't met yet. I'm Clint Barton. You fighting this dude, first of all. And T'Challa says, I don't care. <laughs> no fuck about know who you was we out here fighting man you better introduce yourself some other time but so that was funny to me i'm sorry it was something stupid but it was funny <laughs> to me but anyway so we talked about uh yeah so 4.5 on a on the five point scale because i loved this i loved this movie it completed the trilogy it was just the, the captain america trilogy it was just everything that you would possibly want in the completion of the trilogy we find the cap saying he going renegade and i've said this before he went renegade and uh he wasn't alone and it was it's a sad state of affairs that he that things ended the way that they did with uh pretty much roadie because remember roadie was uh very very critically injured in this uh, that fight at in Germany, and it's pretty much a German. I mean, a uh, Rhodey and Tony against the world, and by the world I mean the Avengers, the other Avengers. So that wraps up what I have for uh, Avengers: Civil War. Our next installment of the MCU watch party leading up to uh, Avengers: Endgame will be Spider-Man: Homecoming. And we'll be watching that next week, Friday. Get your popcorn ready next week. And let's we'll jump right into it. I don't know if anybody else could tell. I am super congested. So I'm sorry I've been like this for a few days. I am so sorry that I sound like a head case. <laughs> but anyway, I've got an end game theory. And it's crazy, crazy. Because, but let's just get into it. How about that? Okay, I did an episode with a friend of the show, Galen, a few months ago 
where we discussed Infinity War and some of the things that uh, we expect to see in Avengers Endgame. And I kind of floated the idea that Thanos may be dead, but Galen didn't agree. But today's theory suggests that the Titan may indeed be deceased. Uh, the The theory is that at the beginning of Endgame, we'll see Thor using the power of the Bifrost in Stormbreaker. And he's going to locate Thanos on New Titan. Now, Thanos and the Gauntlet have been permanently damaged from the snap. That's already been confirmed by the Russos. So that's not something we're thinking. That's something we know. We know that the Russos use the words Thanos and the Gauntlet have been permanently damaged from the snap. So that could mean that the gauntlet has been rendered useless and that Thanos is suffering. But anyway, uh, Thor gets to New Titan and finds Thanos sitting in the same spot from Infinity War at the end. And when Thor encounters him, he determines that he is dead. He sat there and he died with that smile on his face after seeing his work. He tries to remove the gauntlet but it is fused to Thanos' hand. So he has to go back and report to the other Avengers that there is no way to reverse things because the gauntlet is destroyed and Thanos is dead. Now the Russos have said that Thanos won the Infinity War. He is is retired. So they also, not me putting words in, in their mouth, they said he won, he's retired. This version of Thanos dying after uh, he saw his plan come to fruition makes sense. He won. So now the Avengers need to deal with the reality uh, left behind by the snap. Possibly after Ant-Man makes his appearance and tells them the wonders of the quantum realm, they decide to go back through time and collect the stones. Now this doesn't mean that Thanos won't be the antagonist in this movie because remember, He was the protagonist in Infinity War. So he will be, if he's the antagonist, this will be his first time fully in a movie being the antagonist. We'll be exposed to a more villainous Thanos. He's on his quest for the stones. And um, the Avengers will be journeying through prior timelines trying to stay one step ahead of the Mad Titan. And this is a theory I can truly get behind. And you know who floated that theory out? Now, again, I said this some months ago, but I did not have this much. It wasn't filled out the way this is now. And I heard it from John Campia. And I told you how much I love his show. So, yes, (laughs) John Campia, this was something that he uh, floated out there because it just sounded so cinematic to me at the beginning of the movie having Thor locate Thanos using the power of the Bifrost would kind of coincide with what we saw at the beginning or in that that clip from the trailer with uh, Thor in his costume standing on what looks like New Titan. And I feel like, you know, that would be one hell of a discovery. It would actually make sense to see him when we see him in these regular uh, civilian clothes a little bit later in, in the trailer we saw him wearing regular civvies where he looks so depressed because he gets to new titan and thanos is there 
but he's either like on the brink, just like right about to die in that second, or he is dead already. He it, it was too late. So now they they feel like they have to live with the result of Thanos snap until they learn there is another way. I dig it. What do you guys think? What do you guys think of this theory? I think it's pretty darn good. I can't think of a better way to shock the shit out of us because if we sit there, okay, I might not be surprised because I'd be like, mm -hmm, I knew this was going to happen. But a lot of people would be shocked like, okay, now how do they fix it? Because Thanos is dead. Good theory. I, I liked it. Let me make sure I don't have anything else that I'm supposed to be saying with you. I have told you all that I've got a couple of tricks up my sleeves. I got a collaboration that I'm very, very excited about, but I'll talk more about that. I'm moving a little bit closer to that epic event. And I also have that giveaway that I will be introducing real, real soon. What, what is today's date? Okay, so yeah, possibly the next episode of After the Snap, which will be Tuesday, this next Tuesday, I will tell you what 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 the giveaway is going to be. Something small, but it's just to let you know, it's, it's a big old thank you. <laughs> somebody, uh, hopefully I'll make somebody's day. So outside of that, I don't have a whole bunch left to talk about today. This has been fun. Oh, you know what? Yes, I do. I have that one uh, thing because I know that we are not uh, living in a bubble. We've been talking about birds, birds of prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. So we've been talking about uh, the casting for the roles of uh, some of the birds of prey. And we talked about uh, Journey Smollett. And if Journey Smollett, sound, that name sounds a little familiar, that's because her brother, Jussie Smollett, is all over the news right now for, for basically falsely reporting that he was attacked by some Trump supporters who tied a noose around his neck. It was a homophobic attack by some Trump supporters who tied a noose around his neck, threw bleach on him, and beat him up. And this uh, supposedly had happened in Chicago at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, in Chicago at 2 o'clock in the morning, you encounter some white racists in the street. Okay, so after they beat him up, then they should have been worried about being beat up. Because, and then I'm not saying that Chicago is so super dangerous, but Chicago, some areas is super dangerous. You just don't see celebrities, especially walking around alone by themselves at two o'clock in the morning. You definitely don't see uh, two lone Trump supporters walking along, walking around at uh, two in the morning to run into this celebrity and then they want to fight so it just didn't make sense from the beginning and i'm from that area i'm from the chicago area so not that i'm an authority on chicago it just doesn't that just didn't sound right i'm like so he didn't get robbed because i mean you're a celebrity i would figure i would rob you especially and they he said they recognized who he was it just didn't make sense but anyway it didn't make sense because it was untrue uh he he was lying he was doing it for uh, attention, basically. He wanted to become relevant. And <laughs> I guess he wanted to become relevant so that it would make uh, 
Fox wants to increase his salary to keep him around because he, now he's this relevant character. And uh, it made him relevant, all right. And uh, anyway, it's taking the shine away from Journey Smollett, who for for a, uh, quite a while, you know, speaking of her, was, was speaking of this movie and it's a highly anticipated movie. Uh, and now it, it just, to me, it appears that she's going to be sidelined from a lot of the press. They're not going to put her name out there as much because Journey Smollett, it, it looks too much like Jussie Smollett. The questions that she'd be asked would most likely be regarding her brother and how they feel about that situation. And it just wouldn't be fair to uh, Journey or the movie for it to to be the back, backseated by Jussie Smollett and what he did which was just idiotic just just idiotic <laughs> and it's not funny I'm laughing it's not funny it's it's actually sad that somebody felt like they needed to manufacture these types of accusations against anybody when there are people out here who are who are genuinely going through these types of things on a daily basis and you lied and it's, it's almost as bad as like, you know, they talk about all these other ways, all these other things that offend people. That's that's hella offensive. J uh, what's his name? Jussie. And so now, am I upset that people jumped to his defense so quickly when he uh, first announced that he had this this thing happen to him? I'm not. Because I believe the good in people says, you know what? I believe you. I take what you say at first face value. If you say this happened, I'm sorry it happened and I'm behind you. Now, if you did it for political gain or if it was a maneuver, oh my goodness, this story is hot. Let me jump on this hashtag real quick and make myself, you know, relevant too. If you did it for those reasons, you know, you're a piece of shit and you deserve to have egg on your face right now. But if you were genuinely concerned that this young man had been attacked and it was a homophobic and racist attack, then I say that reflects the best in mankind that, that we saw in you. And even I'm, I'm a, I was skeptical. I was skeptical and I think I'm a decent human being. But if you, you know, used, if your first thought was one of empathy, don't let this situation change you. Don't, want, don't let one piece of garbage change you because that is an admirable trait because I'm telling you uh, a lot of times I feel some type of way I even told my son when the story broke I said some things that actually came true and I don't want to say what those things were because then it's going to sound like I'm some kind of racist I guess it's going to sound like I'm some type of bigot but what I what I said turned out to be partially true and it's sad it's sad that he had so many people if you would have just come out with something else something positive right now you'd be basking in the glow of all these people who genuinely support you but instead now you got people having to shake their heads wonder how they got taken and also the next person who really does have this incident won't find as much support because people won't be so quick to believe.
because of Jussie Smollett, because of him. That's that's a punishment in itself, especially for somebody who thinks that they are a hero to the community, to the uh, to the LGBT community. And he quote unquote thinks he is for the black community. But you really you hurt both communities. Both communities suffered because of because of one Jesse Smollett. And that's sick. And I don't want to give it too much more attention. But I did want to say it is a shame that he did this when his sister was riding. Okay, possibly he may not have been at the height of his career, but your sister's your sister's star is climbing, and you basically dimmed both of you guys at the same time. She's gonna still be in this movie, but they can't even use her her name because it's going to reek of you. And that's that is unfair to Journey. It's unfair for the amount of work that she's put in on this film and other projects that she's been in. That's sad, Jossie, that you that you did your sister like that. And uh, and maybe possibly you guys let me know how you felt about uh, this particular situation, because it was uh, it was a wild one. And I'm telling you. From the beginning, I'm like, this, something is rotten in Denmark. This does not smell good. <laughs> and it it just wasn't. It wasn't. I really hate that so many politicians jumped on that. You know, give it a chance. See where this story goes. Nobody thinks that anybody's going to come out and tell this kind of lie. I know. But y'all jumped on this. And it was as a political gambit. It had nothing to do with... I just want to be concerned about this brother. It was, I got, uh, this is a way in to that fan base. And we still don't know what Empire uh, is going to do with him. I mean, there's only one thing to do, and that is to, uh, that is to write him out of the show. You've, you've done it on other occasions. You, you have, you have to write him out of the show. You have to get rid of Jesse Smollett's character, he he has to be gone. That's the only fair thing to do. And then, from this point on, let's clean the slate. And let's decide that we're going to make decisions and press releases and all of these types of things need to be done after some of the investigation has been, has been carried out. Don't take me at my word. If I say I got beat up, you know for whatever reason and there is no evidence of me being beaten up like he didn't have no evidence if i'm gonna take my chances and stomp somebody at two o'clock in the morning and throw bleach on them and a noose around their neck there will definitely be some evidence that you were in a fight and i feel like if i don't come to you with evidence that i was in a fight then let the investigation roll and eventually i will either prove or be either be proven or disproven the proof is in the pudding We got to stop being so quick to want to be outraged. If it's not something that we witnessed, we might need to let that story develop a little bit. Let's not be so, so quick to be outraged. And I mean, I'm talking about in the, um, the mobs, the outraged mobs that we have, the, the, the freaking, uh, what do we call them? Uh, this cancel culture. That's really what it is. 
somebody makes one little misstep, misstep and we're ready to cancel them. Or one person makes a little uh, allegation and we canceling this fucker. He's got to be canceled. We can't we can't have that. That's not that's not good, you know, to for everybody, for every situation to be that. That's not good. We need to think a little bit more about situations. You can't just keep canceling people without giving them an opportunity to even speak to the allegations or even or even if the, the allegations have been spoken to already or just so many different ways that that cancel shit don't work all the time. You got to stop with that. You got to stop being ready to jump and just do all this boycotting and all this bullshit. You know, uh, T, what's his name? You got T.I. saying uh, we need to boycott Gucci for three months. I'm a regular black person that works at, at Circle K. I can't even afford Gucci. Pretty much I've been boy, boycotting Gucci my whole life. But if Gucci was doing something so terrible, why are we only boycotting them for, for three months? So you see what I mean? And everybody was jumping on board that. Yeah, let's jump on board because T.I. said we need to boycott them for three months. That don't make sense. If somebody, if this company is against the agenda of, of what your, your focus group is, then you might need to not fuck with that company at all. Not just for three months. That doesn't make sense. So many people was ready to jump on board, though. I don't get it. And what does that have to do with broke people? I mean, people, and I'm saying broke. I'm not uh, well off. What does that have to do with me? Well, how can I help? Because I don't shop at Gucci at all. I've been boycotting Gucci for 46 years. I've never owned a Gucci nothing. Nothing. Nothing Gucci. And I don't feel no kind of way about that. If you wear Gucci, more power to you. That's a name. You know, more power to you. It's just something I never decided that I was going to spend my money on. <laughs> so there's that. But I've digressed. I've gotten all over the place. I'm, I think I owed you guys a little tiny mini rant just to keep the juices flowing. Just to keep make the blood continue to pump. Every now and then I have to let you know that certain things is just complete and utter bullshit. This is a couple of those things. Uh, the cancel culture. I've talked about them before and how foolish that is. This whole uh, Jesse Smollett case was complete and total utter fiction and stupid as hell. Nothing, nothing that I believed from the beginning. Just listening to the fucking story. I want you to Google search Chicago crime. Do that for homework. Ain't nobody fucking with no one rich person walking down the street and they not about to tap your pockets. That's just not, that's not realistic. It's just not, it's not. And I don't understand how anybody believed that. Anyway, I've got nothing else for you this week. You can catch me on all of the social medias. I'll put those down in the description box. You can email me at after the snap at gmail.com. You can donate to the show, patreon.com slash after the snap. I'd appreciate anything that you could do. If you want to do just a one-time donation and not be on the Patreon program, that's fine too. PayPal.me slash after the snap. I've got nothing else. Watch Spider-Man Homecoming catch you on the flip. <laughs>